Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hawkersmith, and as always, I want to thank you for spending some of your precious time with me today. I have a wonderful guest today, as always, and we will get to her in just a few minutes. But first, uh, I hope everyone listening is healthy and safe. Our world has changed quite significantly in the two weeks since we were last together with this whole coronavirus outbreak. Most of the world seems to be on pause right now in an effort to stop the spread of this virus, and I'm not sure quite what to think of it all yet. Fortunately for me, I have been able to continue working mostly from home, but also showing and listing houses. But my wife and five kids are all home from work and school for the foreseeable future. And we are all trying to stay busy, entertain ourselves, and not kill each other. Um, I'm sure it's probably the same for most of you. I'd love to hear from you about your experiences and how you and your family are dealing with the situation. And I invite you to send me an email at glennhockersmith at schulerbauer.com and tell me how you and your family are using your time. Or actually, better yet, post a, a picture or a video to Facebook or Instagram, tag me in it, and use the hashtag putting the real in real estate. I look forward to hearing from you and seeing your posts. So we're going to discuss a little more about the effects of coronavirus on the real estate market and how we as real estate professionals can navigate through it and much more with today's guests. So let's get right to it. My guest today is an associate broker and vice president of business development of Exit Realty United in Nassau County, New York. She is also a coach and author and has helped dozens of real estate agents transition from paycheck employee to a flourishing career as a sole proprietor in real estate. She has guided many real estate agents throughout their careers and helped them stay focused in meeting their goals as business owners. Jennifer is a former educator with an advanced degree in curriculum design and instruction, is the co-creator of the Seven Saturdays training program, and author of her new book entitled Become a Rockstar Real Estate Agent, Seven Steps to Make $100,000 a Year. Jennifer Sino Tucker, welcome to the podcast. Jennifer, first of all, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you spending some time with us. And I just kind of want to start with the giant elephant in the room. And uh, so here in Indiana, we're not quite on, on lockdown yet, but most non-essential businesses have at least gone to work-from-home status um, if not close their doors altogether, restaurants and bars have been ordered to only do carry out or delivery. And we've been told that school will not resume at least until May 1st at the earliest. So what's the story where you are in Nassau County and New York City area? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me on, Glenn. I really appreciate uh, this opportunity to speak during these, these times of uncertainty and, uh, you know, see if we can keep business moving forward. What's kind of happening here is um, it, we are on kind of lockdown, I would say, but people are being a lot more cautious about how they are doing business. Um, things have been delayed. I've had some closings delayed 
but I, at this time, am still proceeding with business. Uh, I try not to feed into a fear kind of state. I don't believe in operating in that mindset because what it does is kind of push me down and my business backwards as opposed to moving forward. Um, So I, I, I have been changing some things up. So for example, I'm hosting a virtual open house. This will be the first time for me uh, this weekend to kind of do that. Um, we, I do take video with all my listings, but I am going to be at the house doing a Facebook live. So if anyone has any questions or um, things I can answer about the home um, so that they could um, see the home, view the home, yet not be present in the home, that's where we're going to kind of move forward and not let this uh, elephant in the room, as you call it, you know, let hold, hold us back. Absolutely. And I kind of see the same here. I, I plan on doing something very similar. Uh, just listed a home on Wednesday and luckily it's vacant. So we haven't really had to worry about people coming in and out. Obviously not going to to attempt to do a, a, a regular open house as we would. So I have already recorded uh, a little walkthrough video and we're going to, if, if it's still on the market by Sunday, which it may not be, we're going to do the same. We're going to do a little virtual open house. And really, this is kind of an opportunity for us as real estate agents and others in the business to, to innovate, right? I totally agree. I totally agree. It puts it, pushes us out of our comfort zone into what we've been doing. The thing that concerns me is that many real estate agents aren't conducting their business or looking for a side hustle or trying to, you know, um, find other financial means as opposed to putting chicken and steak on the table through real estate. So that's, that kind of worries me yet. I believe it's kind of, I'm going to call it a weeding of the pack (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that, you know, uh, and I believe that's kind of what's happening in our current situation here. Sure. And it's kind of a delicate balance, you know, to, to be sure that you are taking the appropriate steps and preparing for what may come, but you also have to continue to, to do the things that you do on a normal day-to-day basis to keep your business going, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't stopped actually Monday. I thought I would be, I think this kind of all hit, you know, over this past weekend, Monday, I felt like I could catch up on some things that have been, you know, um, unattended to because I've been so busy. But this whole week, I have been just as busy as every other week. I I took a listing this week. I'm taking another one tomorrow. I have, um, I'm negotiating an offer on two properties. And then I have the open houses set and scheduled. I'm, I'm, I don't stop. I don't know how to stop. I can't sit still um, when, when the environment is, I'll, I'll call it normal, but, uh, but, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't know how not to continue business, I guess is what I'm saying. The best part about it is it typically takes me about 40 minutes to get to my office. Now it's taken me 15. So there you go. There's a silver lining and everything, right? Exactly. If there's anything that's positive that's coming out of it is that traffic, there is no traffic anymore in New York. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, and, and before we get to talking about your book and, and coaching and all that, I just kind of wanted to talk about your market. You are in Nassau County, which encompasses Queens, correct? And, and other surrounding areas? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we're so um, huddled up together here that it's um, not impossible to tap into four different counties, five different counties if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, I typically spread my business over three of those counties. So that's Nassau and Suffolk, which is um, part of Long Island, and then then in Queens County, which is a a county of New York City. Sure, sure. A borough of New York City, sorry. Okay. So I've been reading your book. I haven't finished it yet, so I apologize for that. It is, oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> as I mentioned before, it's called Rockstar Real Estate Agent, Seven Steps to Make $100,000 a Year. And uh, at the beginning of the book, you talk a little bit about your background. You have a very interesting and inspiring story. Can you tell listeners a little bit about your background and where you came from and how you got where you are today? Sure, sure. I grew up on Long Island, a typical middle class neighborhood. Um, My parents owned a small, were entrepreneurs in themselves. They owned a small business, which uh, delivered oil oil delivery service to homeowners, obviously for heat. Um, I I think I kind of get my my, um, taste of entrepreneurship, obviously through that. But there, you know, growing up in a typical household, um, I did have some money blocks and there were money was always talked about, lack thereof or 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 more of. So there was definitely some money blocks that I grew up with. And I kind of talk about that in in the book as well, which I think a lot of people have because, you know, your parents try try to do what's best for you under the circumstances that that obviously that they're given. So I went on and took a typical role. Went to college, graduated, um, got married, had a baby, <laughs> and and that's kind of where the story um, both uh, really begins. Um, I went through some trauma during my 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 marriage with my husband, in that he was um, ejected out of a vehicle and suffered a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter was 15 months old at the time, and uh, he was in a coma for for nine weeks. And it was kind of there that uh, my letting go experience kind of began. Sure. Um, you know, when the doctor tells you that, you know, let's see what happens to your husband in the next 30 days if he, if he survives that. The world that you thought you knew is kind of like, you're unknown to it. It's it's a whole new, whole new approach and a whole new feeling that you kind of get. Isn't that amazing how things can change in an instant? And it, you know, a lot of it, we're we're all seeing that right now. You know, we don't recognize the world today as it was two weeks ago, and it kind of relates to, in, in some ways, to what you went through there. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It, it was like a shock. Um, again, we were married, I want to say, I can't even think right now, about um, two years. So we were still newly in the newlywed state, mm-hmm. so to speak. And yeah, that's where it all began. So you, you, you went through some time there where it was kind of wait and see. And I imagine you had a 15 month old, so you're trying to take care of your child and also trying to attend to your husband's needs. And I'm sure that was kind of a, a really stressful ordeal for you, I would imagine. 
It, yeah, it was very stressful. Um, I gave, I'm very task oriented. I'm not sure if you or your listeners are familiar with the disc, disc personality profiling, yes. mm-hmm. but I'm a DC. So <laughs> I'm very task oriented and emotional and um, physical stuff, uh, emotional kind of beings. So it becomes, it's the second for me. Um, sure. I'm more about getting things done. That was exactly the same mindset I had going after his accident as well. I took about a good five days to cry and mourn the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely saw myself in the chapel more often than I thought I would be. Sure. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic household, not practicing as much, but um, it was there that I felt like God could be, God would be there for me. And mm-hmm. um, that, that was my letting go experience. I've kind of taken that approach into business as well as, as, as much as I can, that, um, you know, as much as us as real estate agents want to be able to dictate and control the transaction, it's not, it's not in our hands. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, there, there are certain things that we can do, but, um, but ultimately it's, it's not up to us. Yeah. And that's something we have talked about in the past here on this show is, um, and, and this is helpful in, in your business and life is recognizing the things that you can control and the things that you can't. And let's not worry so much about the things we can't control. And let's, let's worry about the things that we can. And that can uh, certainly have a, uh, a positive effect on your business if you're able to do that. Sure. And that was one of the things that uh, kind of prompted me to write, write the book become a rock star real estate agent is I was struggling at the time, kind of meeting a mark that, uh, or the goal of uh, earning a hundred K a year. I was in some um, earning between, and I would go up and down for about three, three years um, between 60 and 80. And I would stay between 60 and 80. And I stayed there and I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) You know, why am I not? I mean, I'm working harder and harder than ever before. I'm meeting more and more people. What's not happening? What's not clicking? You know, so that was, those were some of the questions I was asking myself. And it ultimately became stop controlling the transaction. You're putting too much time and energy and effort into uh, making sure things are right, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, realizing that failure is okay making sure that every I was dotted and T was crossed. And that's kind of, kind of where, where the book begins as well. All right. So talk a little bit about your beginning as a real estate agent. Um, <laughs> did you start out part-time? Is that, am I remembering correctly? I did start out part-time. So I had graduated, got my graduate degree in education and was teaching uh, middle school in the Bronx to uh, fifth through eighth graders which in and of itself is an experience. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and I got tired of seeing, you know, a, as a teacher, you're still critiqued by your admins. Uh, so I got tired of seeing the red, the red cross outs next to my name <laughs> when, <laughs> when they would cr- critique my, my lesson plans and things like that. And I thought there had to be a better way. So I started my own kids fitness business. Of course, my background is in physical education. I was, I did that for about three years and, uh, it was somewhat profitable. I wouldn't say that it was this massive movement, you know, to install kids fitness business, kids fitness into, um, 
daycares. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what the platform was. But uh, my mom is in real estate and she had been in the business about 25 years at that time. And I went to her and I'm like, you know, uh, what do I need to do? How do I generate more leads? What do I need to do? How, how, you know, so she was kind of a mentor at that time for me to, as an entrepreneur. And um, I was sitting in her office one day and she's a top agent herself. And a lead came in from her secretary and she literally took the lead that was written out on paper, crumbled it and threw it in the trash can. <laughs> it blew my mind. It really did at the time because I was struggling to find the means to make to make more money. Sure. And here she was throwing it away in the trash. And I, I guess a light bulb went off and I said, what are you doing with that? <laughs> you know, that's a lead which, which could potentially turn into into, you know, revenue. Right. So, one, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? Well, that's exactly what happened. She goes, I, she said, I don't have time to work with renters at this time. I, I'm way too busy working with sellers and buyers. So I said, well, I have time. <laughs> and that's kind of how it all began. I enrolled in the class immediately after that. I mean, literally, like right there, I picked up the phone and enrolled in the class and um, started from there. I ran the buyers and I ran all her buyers initially. So I was mom's buyer's agent Sure. and I was her runner. I call it in the book. I was a gopher. I, I did whatever she said and I didn't care. <laughs> um, and I just, and I kind of teach my agents at that time that it's okay to do that. You know, everyone who wants to come out of real estate school being, you know, a superstar, it can be hard. Yeah. That's, I, I see that as probably the biggest problem right now. You know, people, at least here in the past few years, people hear and see about the, the awesome real estate market and they feel like they can just go get their license and jump right in and start making money right away. And that's just not the case. I mean, there may be a few cases out there which someone gets lucky and is very successful in their first year, but most of the time you're going to be doing that. You're going to be driving around all day long, meeting buyers who you don't know and just kind of really you have to be willing to do whatever it takes and eat, sleep, breathe real estate 24 seven, at least for that first year. <laughs> exactly. You really have to have a white hot passion for this business and do, do everything. And I'm, I'm an eternal learner. I love learning. I love growing personally. So I, I took in everything I did. I absorbed and took in the home inspection. I, I asked questions to the home inspector. I, um, would sit down in the con in the contract signing with an attorney. I would sit down at the closings with the attorney just to, and the title people just to kind of be there. We have attorneys who do our closings here. Mm -hmm. I know the rest of the country typically doesn't, but yeah, we, uh, I, I did all that and I was willing to put in energy and effort at, you know, during that phase in my career, I did start part-time. I was holding on to a part-time paycheck. I worked for our local town here in the parks department and uh, I got to see what civil servant life was like. <laughs> um, and I didn't do too much there. So I had a lot of free time to still make calls and, and prospect while I was working the, the part-time job. So that's kind of how it started. It, it, there came a point when I was earning about 50K, 60K. I was in that, in that mindset, you know, and I asked my mom, again, still my mentor, what do I got to do to take the next step? And she said, you have to let go of your paycheck. And 
as a single mother, that was a, that was a big hit. Yeah, that's that's a very scary proposition, isn't it? Very scary because at the time, you know, my I, I talk about it in the book that my daughter and I were playing a game called Find the Best Macaroni and Cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we did because that's all my salary really permitted us, sure. you know, to kind of eat. And and fifty um, k a year where you live isn't the same as fifty k a year where I am here in the Midwest. Um, def- definitely was... not. I lived in Wyoming. My my ex is from from Wyoming, so I could stretch fifty k very very far at that time. Actually, that was a pretty good living out there. But here in New York, where where everything is over the top, it it was it was really hard. Yeah, was I difficult. was I was looking at at your website last night at some of the local listings and <laughs> I just couldn't believe some of the prices for, for, uh, you know, for example, a, a two bedroom home, some of the prices are just outrageous, uh, you know, for the price that you can get a two bedroom, one bath home there mm-hmm. in New York, you can get a really nice 2,500 square foot walkout <laughs> ranch. <laughs> right. Here. I mean, in my market, the average sale price right now is about four ninety five, and that'll get you a three bedroom, one bath, nineteen fifty five cape, with about twelve to fifteen hundred square, fourteen hundred square feet. Yeah, that's I, I try to emphasize that to to my clients around here. You know, it, and obviously all over the country. The past few years, we're seeing exponential increase in in prices, and I try to emphasize to my clients, hey, yes. Our prices are rising year over year mm-hmm. pretty steadily, but we are still way behind New York, Los Angeles, Miami. So it's it's still a very affordable place to live here, and that's something that I try to, to instill into my clients' minds and that it's still a great time to buy homes. I continually build my network or uh, references, referrals, Absolutely. Um, to other states, because I know everyone in New York on Long Island is moving out mm-hmm. um, to go someplace that's a lot more affordable. Um, you know, with an average sale price of four ninety five in my market, our taxes are twelve to thirteen thousand. Wow. Uh, so you know, you're looking at someone paying a mortgage somewhere between typically thirty two to thirty eight hundred a month. That is quite significant. Mm-hmm. Tax, that would include the taxes and insurance, sure, obviously, sure. on the mortgage. But yeah, it, it is difficult. It, um, and we deal with a lot of different financing options. We do a lot of FHA loans mm-hmm. in my market. Uh, people only putting 3.5% down. And a lot of VA loans as well. Mm-hmm. 0% prime financing. It's hard to, for to... It can be hard for a homeowner to grasp 100% financing. Sure, <laughs> sure. So it sounds like it, when you were in education, you were good at it. You had an advanced degree, but it sounds like, and I think you mentioned this in the book, it wasn't, it didn't quite feel like your passion, right? It definitely didn't. Um, as that DC personality, I have a hard time accepting rules from other people <laughs> sure. as opposed to making my own. And that was really what stuck that I needed to do something more, mm-hmm. but it was, I didn't, and, and it wasn't into real estate that I realized what my purpose was and, and my why, my reason for doing things yes. is because I, and probably one of the reasons I became a teacher is I love connecting with people. Such a, 
a, a joy to me. It brings me so much excitement to know that I can help someone achieve their dream of home ownership or moving on to the next phase of their life. It's the connections that really drove me to dive even further into real estate and, and have that obsession, that white hot passion obsession with real estate and the market. That's what I miss and found in real estate. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool how you were able to find your passion in real estate and then also marry that with your educational background and your, and your, your previous career when you became a coach. Right. So yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the educational background really helped me to uh, catapult my business in real estate as well, because I was able to use my past experience in education mm-hmm. and transfer it to real estate. So exactly the way that I sell uh, or have a sales call with someone through caring at caring for them and finding out what their needs are is exactly the questioning that went on in the classroom. Sure. And that's really, that's a lot of what we do as realtors is educate our clients, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're giving them, you know, market values, telling them what's happening in our markets, you know, really, really kind of guiding them and, and holding their hands, being a caretaker through the process and transaction. Okay, so you, you, you start your real estate career, you, you begin to have some pretty significant success. What, how did you uh, transition into coaching others and what, what drove you to want to do that? Um, what drove me is there, I, I, you know, mom and I had opened our own brokerage um, after leaving another, another big brokerage and started another franchise and started a different franchise in our market. And as we were sponsoring and bringing new agents in, we saw this quite high of a number of people who would leave or leave the business or, you know, not be excited about the business. Oh, they, you know, they would come in like, yes, I want to do this. These are my goals, but then wouldn't show up, wouldn't show up Mm -hmm. for themselves, wouldn't show up for their families, wouldn't show up for real estate or, or the office. And they would just leave and were and were after a year or two, we're not in the business any longer. Mm-hmm. So we, it was like I kept thinking, like, why is this happening? What's happening? What's going on? And it was a lack of training. That's really ultimately what it became. Absolutely, was a lack of training that that we missed that we missed an opportunity on. We've definitely reined that back in um, and started a, a training program, Seven Saturdays to Success. Uh, where we bring new agents who are new in the business and kind of, kind of coach them and guide them through through their first year, really, and give them a mentorship program so that they're able to be successful, just as I did. So we took the model that that I learned from and ultimately am implementing it in our brokerage so that new agents can be just as successful. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question about your seven Saturdays training program. So tell us just a little bit about that and just kind of walk us through some of the, some of the finer points of that, if you would. Sure. Sure. So, um, we, um, you know, being that my background is in education and curriculum design, it was ultimately my job to kind of design, design this, um, with mom's input as to what, what should be taught as well. So I took a reverse engineering approach where I wanted to them, 
our agents to see what their goal was financially, um, spiritually, family-wise, career-wise, and socially to see how they can use real estate to achieve all of that. So our, our first class is really goal setting um, and what you want to achieve and what you want to get out of this business. And we implement some things that are going on in our local market, like documents and paperwork and how to be um, a paperless agent mm-hmm. um, into, into our, our, our teachings, as well as, um, you know, a, how do you interview buyers and sellers? You know, what are the right questions to be asking? How do you overcome objections? Uh, we include a role playing as well now. Uh, we've implemented that and a cold calling night. So we're really doing training about four days a week in our brokerage. And we're finding that it has created more of a culture mm-hmm. for our office for people to be a lot more comfortable and not afraid to fail because it's the failures um, that are going to really, you know, it sets you, you kind of free and, and moving forward in business. Yeah, that's where you really learn some some valuable lessons, right? Oh yeah. And I've failed. Trust me. (laughs) I have failed miserably and I'm okay with that. And, you know, and that's kind of the letting go of it as well. And just know that my failures for every one step I move backwards, I know there's going to be three steps moving forward. So that's okay. Yeah. Failure is a very valuable thing as long as you learn something from it moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned people coming into the business and, and not having any training, you know, they, if people don't quite understand, they don't teach you how to actually do the business of real estate. When you take your, your real estate classes, basically you're learning the law and then they turn you loose and you're like, Oh, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's why we've taken on a mentorship program as well. Um, so our agents in our brokerage, um, go through a a six month mentorship with um, experienced agents who are doing somewhere between 20 and 40 transactions typically. Mm -hmm. So we pair, we pair them up. I love, I love to work that way because it, it helps the agent, you know, just kind of mirror and mentor and be, be next to me. I'm really a team player. So I love it. It allows me to kind of utilize my, my, my background in athletics too, that I just love being a part of something, Mm -hmm. which I think most people do. Um, so I'm happy to say that our culture has changed in our, in our brokerage that, um, people really want to belong and, and feel wanted and needed even in your brokerage. Sure. And this is a business where it really is, you you learn by doing and you learn Mm -hmm. by watching others do, you know, I know my first year, I was fortunate enough to be able to jump in full time in my first year and not really have to worry about how much money I made. And like you said, it's, it's about showing up. 90% of it was just showing up, just being there in the office and being able to hear the other agents talk. And, and I gained a lot of opportunities from other agents who were willing Mm -hmm. to, to mentor me and pull me in. And, you know, uh, during my first two weeks, there was an agent who I met and I'm sitting there at the computer, you know, kind of trying to, you know, get everything, get all my websites put together and and all that good stuff. And she says, Hey, I'm getting ready to list this house. You want to put your name on it? Well, sure. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, and I didn't, you know, I don't, I I didn't make much off that deal. I think she threw me $500 or something, but 
just the first of all being able to see your name on a sign for the first time and and being able to walk through that transaction with her and and get that experience was super super helpful i can't stress enough how important it is for new agents to show up be in the office you're going to get some opportunities that you would not otherwise receive if you're sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring and that's why the virtual office kind of kind of scares me in many ways um and even the situation that we're going under right now with cov vid um the coronavirus so like if you're not present and you're not in the office how is business going to change I know maybe people of a <laughs> younger generation may, may probably easier for them. And I think we're moving towards this virtual office and virtual real estate um, way of life, but it can, it's going to be a difficult transition when we're in the people business. Sure. Um, I'm a touchy feely kind of, I like my hands on, I like paper in order to see and understand. So to move away from that, just become a paper, becoming a paperless agent was difficult. Now we're moving from just being visual and not even being present. You know, that's going to be even a tougher transition for me than someone younger. Absolutely. And you see it already. Um, I see some of the more seasoned agents really struggling to adjust to, to how the market is changing and how the business overall is changing. You know, where there's the big push to, like you said, go paperless, go digital. You've got all the, you know, the Zillows and all the other companies trying to basically take the agent out of the transaction. And I don't know, I, I think there will always be a place for the boots on the ground, personal connection of mm-hmm. the agent. People don't, I don't think people understand some of the things that we do behind the scenes sometimes to make to make the transaction move forward yeah we definitely definitely work hard and you know that's why when a lot of i mean i don't know what your commission structure is out there i've given my sellers a multiple commission structure in Mm -hmm. order for them to choose which what best suits their needs and even at that time you still get the question well can you do anything lower absolutely you know uh thank you mr Mr. and Mrs. Seller, but you, I understand that you only see maybe the house may sell quickly based upon our marketing, but there's still going to be 30 to 60 days that I'm, I'm working on the file. Yeah. And you have to, you have to learn how to sell yourself and explain to your clients what you can offer them. You know, I have never, ever finished a transaction, walked away from the closing table and had a client say, well, gosh, we really wish we hadn't used a real estate agent. It's it's <laughs> That's a good it's point. always the opposite. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad <laughs> that we didn't do for sale by owner. Thank you so much. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I I haven't had that experience either. I mean, I'm sure there. I mean, we will. I just had something closed this last week, and you know, there's the there's no hot water in the house. So who is the buyer calling? I mean, so I'm not stopping once once the deal ends, you know, once the transaction is over. There are still times that I'm working <laughs> exactly. to help you out. And I always tell my clients that at closing, listen, my, my job doesn't stop here. You know, I, mm-hmm. I want to consider myself your agent for life. So if you have anything you need, feel free to reach out to me. Sometimes you regret telling them that. <laughs> 
exactly. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but, but just based upon that conversation at the closing, I mean, I would 65% of my business is now past clients and referrals. Absolutely. So I never miss a meeting. Yeah. And you have to follow up with those clients and note to new agents right now is a perfect time to be reaching out to your past clients, your sphere of influence. Give them a call. Just check in on them. Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help you? Whether mm-hmm. it's real estate related or, hey, do you, you know, if they are an older person, hey, can I go pick up some groceries for you? Right. Yeah, it's those little things that really help out. I um, am not a big CRM person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not, I believe that the people that, want to work with you are going to work with you in the now and in the present as opposed to um keeping in constant contact although i do use constant contact to to stay in touch with my my past clients and and those people who come to the open houses so i just send a weekly email based upon the current market and market statistics um with some featured properties and um that has definitely helped me stay stay in contact but I wouldn't say that there's much revenue coming out, coming out of it. It's more about keeping the momentum moving mm-hmm. forward for me that I, that I see is the most beneficial. Sure. And you talk yeah. about being authentic and like you were talking about with your CRM, there are a million products out there where you can set it up to automatically touch base with your clients and people can see right through that. I think, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there's, necessarily something wrong with with having something like that but i think you have to be very selective on how you do that and how many times you reach out to them right and and again you know every agent's going to be different i believe what what works for me may not work for everyone else i can only speak from my experience and share with your audience what has kind of worked for me in order to you know 5x my 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 books from what my book uh talks about so so about your book, what inspired you to write it? It was the turnover rate of agents that were leaving um, real estate. And then hearing the national statistic, like something like 83 to 86% of new agents get out of the business within the first two years. I just felt like I had to reach more, more people to tell them that, to kind of give them a guide, a guide to uh, catapult their career and rake in the profits that that they deserve to make. Because real estate's happening every day. Transactions are happening every day. Absolutely. Um, it's just a matter of, and there's enough to go around for everyone. It's just a matter of being persistent and consistent with your strategy. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the things that, that newer agents can do to be successful. If you could give one piece of advice for a new agent or someone who's trying to transition from t- part-time to full-time, what would that be? Find a mentor or a coach so that you hold yourself accountable. And it's not about how much money you're spending. It's about the investment that you're making in your business. You may not see it immediately, the, the 10x return on it, but you will see a return. Absolutely. Our, my brokerage has a customer service department and they pull in leads and they will distribute leads. And, you know, you have to pay a, a referral on it. And, mm-hmm. and that business does not count towards your commission cap. And so a lot of agents look down upon that and they don't want to take those leads. But 
that's how I built my business. Um, right. And it's like you said, I looked at it as an investment. It was an investment in my business. Anytime you start a new business, you're going to have to pour money into it. You're going to have to to invest into it and you're not going to see immediate returns, but, Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, my, a lot of those referrals that I took in that first year, I've already got repeat business from those people mm-hmm. and they're going to be my clients for life. And, and going forward, you know, you don't have to pay that referral anymore. And, it, and, and those are some of the blocks, right? That the newer agents like have difficulty overcoming, Oh my God, I have to give up, you know, a part of my commission in order to, to make a commission check. It's not giving up. (laughs) That's what I tried to teach them. Yeah. It's an investment and you, and and then that goes back to being hungry. You got to be willing to do what you have to do to become successful. Mm -hmm. No one becomes successful overnight and it's not easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So something else you talk about is knowing who your ideal client is. Why is that important? And how do I, as a real estate agent, identify my ideal client? (laughs) For me, this was simple. And, um, you know, I don't come from a background in in business or marketing, but homeowners are definitely everyone's ideal client. So that's what I chose to focus on, right? They have the product that we want to sell um, and we can help them out by putting, being an, you know, an arbitrator or a negotiator in in the middle between a buyer and a seller. Plus homeowners have already bought the product, the home, and they know what they want in their next product, (laughs) you know, because they already have the experience. So to me, homeowners were ideal clients. So that's who I chose to focus on. And without having marketing money in the beginning, I door knocked a lot. I did choose a community of about 500 that I started door knocking. And when I became a little bit uh, more successful, I would send a postcard to them. And building upon that, then I started circle prospecting or calling that neighborhood to let them know that I was their agent. A lot of people will do this in, in a specific subdivision that, you know, maybe you live in. And that's the other thing. Like I see many, many agents who work, live in one na- neighborhood where their kids go to school and they play there and they have a community affiliations in one neighborhood, yet choose to work in a different neighborhood. I never understood that because my how how my business grew was through my parents their and their initial business growing up they they knew that they knew of that and the fact that mom still had affiliations within the market i chose to stay in that market because all all the family connections were there and people knew our name and who we were so i always tell people i always tell new agents to work in the market that you have your connections in. I absolutely agree with that. And I know, I know a few agents who will not list in their own neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. I guess everyone has their own ideas about how to run their business, but I'm going to target my neighborhood. Now, I think there is a fine line. You want to, you want to remain to be a good neighbor. You want to, it's, you have to kind of carefully walk that line between being a, being the neighbor and, and, uh, being a pesky realtor <laughs> who, who's always trying to get their business. But there are creative ways to do that. For instance, 
every 4th of July, I buy American flags and I get a couple of my kids, a couple of the neighborhood kids, and we plant flags at everybody's mailbox and I, I put my business card on them. So, and everyone seems to really appreciate that. And right. so it's little touches like that where it's not in your face. Hey, I want to sell your house. It's just making sure your name is out there and you're doing things. You're giving value to people. And that's super important. Yeah, it'll take it'll take one person nine touches in order for them to remember you. That's just statistics. That's just using, you know, sure. psychology. So keeping your name and your face in front of those people on a consistent basis is how I was able to leverage my business as well. So I've done I've done those little touches like that. Uh, the postcards helped me. At one point, I was on a bus bus shelter or bus stop mm -hmm. uh, with my pictures. So um, yeah, there's definitely been things that have do um, done. Uh, this this list listing I just picked up this this week. I helped um, a friend of theirs find um, a tenant for their rental. I was referred to this this homeowner and now I've listed his property. Um, but we've stayed in touch the whole time. Well, it's funny how that works. So let's go back really quickly to door knocking. Mm -hmm. That is something that most agents will not do. They're, they're scared of it, including me. I, I will admit I have not done it. What was your experience there? Uh, how did you get over that initial fear? Well, the I think the initial... I, I didn't have any fear initially, I, I'll be honest. Um, the fear kind of came later on after I was doing it. Uh, in the beginning, I had no marketing money, mm -hmm. right? I couldn't go out and, and spend money to buy an every door direct mail kind of uh, section. Um, so I had to leverage myself some way and I could leverage my time for money by going out and door knocking. I approached it with five simple questions that was taught to me. And uh, that's kind of what I do. Again, did, was there business immediately out of door knocking? No. Did I make connections with people? Yes. Did they lead to future business? Absolutely. That's what it was. Again, it was the momentum that happened. Door knocking became scary when I realized that I was a single female putting myself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in front of other people uh, at their, at their doorsteps. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I liked the team approach. So I would try to grab someone um, at the time um, when I was door knocking, um, most of the agents were seasoned and experienced and a little bit older. So they wouldn't, <laughs> no one would door knock with me, but I did what I had to do <laughs> in order to get where I needed to be. Right. That's what it's all about. Once again, going back to being hungry and doing whatever you have to do to mm -hmm. succeed. Now, I like to leverage social media. I kind of consider that my door knocking. How, what are you, what are your opinions on social media? Do you leverage social media in your business? Yeah, absolutely. I do what I can with it. I like to choose three awareness methods um, when it comes to marketing. Um, so social, social media is one. Um, again, I use the constant contact, um, a weekly email as two and podcasting right now <laughs> right. is another, another way for me to leverage my time, right? Cause I'm so busy in my business. Podcasting has allowed me to really speak to a broader audience about real estate 
and do it in, do it in less time so that I'm able to focus on my real estate business as well. Absolutely. And once again, it's, it's, you're providing value to someone, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So, you know, we've talked about door knocking, we've talked about social media. What, what's something else uh, a newer agent can do to kind of grow and market to their sphere of influence? Yeah, I always tell agents, well, agents will come in, they'll sign up with our brokerage, and I'm like, okay, I want you to write down 50 people that you know who are in your contact list, okay, as your top 50 that can refer you business. Just write down 50 people mm -hmm. with their address, phone number, and email. And you're going to contact those 50 people, choosing about 10, 10 a week to really hit and target and just see how they're doing. Is there anything that you can do to help them out? You know, it's funny. Some people would rather call someone they have no history with, that they have never met. They'd rather do that than call someone who they actually know. And mm -hmm. I felt a little bit of that when I first started. You know, there was a little bit of, gosh, I haven't talked to this person in five or ten years, and now I'm going to call them out of the blue and, you know, try to ask for business. It, it felt a little, I guess, not authentic to me. Sure. But once again, it's just stepping outside of your comfort zone and and making connections and, and establishing and reconnecting with relationships. I, I had a lender give me a book called The Seven Levels of Communication. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a corny book, but I took some valuable lessons out of it. And it's all about personal connections, writing handwritten letters, uh, meeting with people face to face and something they really stress in that book was, was sending out a handwritten letter to someone. And so I decided I was going to do this after I read this book. And I think my first day I ended up writing one letter, <laughs> not a letter, but a card just to, and I sent it to a friend who I had known for a while, but really didn't, didn't talk to on a regular basis. And from that one card that I sent out and it didn't happen immediately. It was probably a year later. I got, almost a million or half a million dollars worth of business out of it. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. So it's stuff like that, that it's not hard. You don't have to spend a ton of money and it, you know, it may not pay off immediately, but it's like planting seeds. Sure. Yeah. Every new agent that comes in, I give a, a box of note cards and envelopes um, to the new agent and uh, just say here, here are your thank you cards because you're going to be thanking people and you want to be in front of their face. The personal note, every time I leave a listing appointment, the first thing I do is go back to my office and write a, a thank you card to the homeowner. Uh, that has definitely been something that's just, uh, it's just a nice touch sure. um, to say the least that people love. But we, um, in the book, I talk about hitting, and I learned this from um, another coach, um, that I invested in, um, hitting 61 points of rhythm, um, meaning that you're doing money-making activities, the daily activities. So we talked about reverse engineering and what your goals are financially in real estate. Now, how do I meet them on a weekly, daily, uh, a monthly, weekly, and daily basis? And on a daily basis, we, I teach the agents to hit these 61 points of rhythm where they get points for money-making activities like 
writing postcards or writing note cards or making phone calls. How many doors did they knock on? How many business cards did they hand out today? How many people did they speak to on the phone? So those are all value points that they receive. And those are, that's the way to hit your daily marks in order for you to meet your annual marks. Yeah, that's cool. I can't, can't wait to get back into your book and read a little bit more about that. We have a, there's an agent in our office. Her name is Stephanie Wilson. She's a single agent. Now she does have a few employees that help her out with marketing and such, but she sells, oh gosh, $60 million a year in real estate. That's awesome. That's something that she really, really stresses. First of all, systems. I know that you really stress that as well. And second Mm -hmm. of all, you know, she'll, she'll watch social media. People put things out on Facebook. Oh, my aunt just died or so-and-so sick. She'll take notes all week long. And every Friday she'll sit down and write personal, personal cards or personal Mm -hmm. notes to those people and send it out. And those type of things, it's really easy to get busy doing, you know, transactional stuff and forget to do those things. But if you can have the, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Have the, um, if you can remember to do those things and and not neglect it, then that's going to be very, very important to your success. It's the mindset, I think, that you're talking about, really, of being cognizant of, you know, what's happening and what do I need to do in order to um, catapult my business and keep it moving and, and flowing in the direction that I want it to. Yes. And discipline, that's the word I was looking for. Mm. <laughs> so... Uh, I love the fact that you donate a portion of your commission to charity and have given over $5,000 so far to charity. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just something new that I've implemented. Um, I take a portion of my own commission that I donate to a charity. Um, Typically, if it's an estate situation, I like to donate it to the charity of um, the uh, family's uh, choice Mm -hmm. that they felt that usually that parents would would love to make a donation to and in, in their in their name um but on the other end i donate to habitat for humanity which has been a pretty big passion of mine that just to keep everything real estate related this year uh this summer and i my daughter of our and i have already um signed up to help go hammer some nails in a local project that's happening here um so we're looking forward to that that's awesome. I really believe in giving back. And at the beginning of last year, that's something I decided to do was set aside um, a portion of my commission from every closing and mm-hmm. to find a charity to give back to. And actually, I have I've decided to start a scholarship fund. Um, so that's what I'm going to choose to do from here forward with it. That's and, a great idea. You and I are going to have to talk some more, Glenn, about how to get that started. Then. Yeah. And uh, I'm learning um, how to do that. and. And I'm targeting people who want to learn a trade. You know, I feel like there's there's such a push for people to go to four-year universities and get that four-year education, and that's great. And there's plenty of money out there for, for kids like that. But we see such a shortage of tradespeople. And mm. I kind of want to make that cool again and, and give a little help and encouragement to, to kids who would like to go into a trade and, and it, not necessarily just a trade, someone who may be interested in real estate and wants to go to real estate school or to be a police officer. Um, so I think that's very important. And, uh, you know, I, if people don't understand that 
you know, you can learn a trade and still become a millionaire. You can, you can start your own business and, and grow it. And there are other alternatives to a four-year education. I, I totally agree. Although we're saving here for college, my daughter's third, 14 now. Uh, <laughs> that's still uh, a possibility. But if, you know, if she said to me, you know, she wanted to take a different route, I, I would be open to it. She already knows at 18 she's getting her real estate license. So <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Gotta most, keep it. It'll be a third generation. <laughs> that's awesome. And most people, you know, most people don't come right out of school and, and start real estate. They typically, you know, start in another career and, and eventually transition into real estate. So mm-hmm. I like to yeah. hear when, when people start out early. I, sometimes I wish I had started a little early earlier in my real estate career. You too. You know, mom would be on the phone growing up, you know, constantly talking with clients and customers. And I was the one, I'm one out of four. I was the one be like, you know, can you put the phone down? Do you have to talk now? (laughs) You know, meanwhile, I'm kind of doing the same thing. I just wish I would have recognized the signs sooner than later to continue her legacy on. Yeah. And that's a tough balance too, uh, for, for agents balancing your home life and your, your work life. Cause they tend to meld in together. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my, my, my new, um, rule is my don't answer calls between four and seven. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You got to set boundaries. So yep, absolutely. So what do you do when you're not being a rock star real estate agent? <laughs> That's a good one. Well, my 14 year old takes up a lot of time. Her and I live, um, here in Nassau County with our, our little Chowski storm, who is, uh, it, it takes up a lot of our time walking cause he needs walk all the time. <laughs> um, but she's pretty active. Uh, she rides horses and plays softball on a travel softball team. So, um, we're gearing up for that season. Hopefully it happens here, uh, with this, our situation. Um, but yeah, so we, we just like to, kind of chill out, mellow out, mellow out and like um heading upstate into the woods and just kind of relaxing. Nice. So that's that's kind of like our what we like to do. And we ride horses together. So um we have continued that throughout our uh our mother-daughter bonding experiences. Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's important to to be able to find something that you can do together and connect with your kids mm-hmm. in some way. So that's awesome to hear. So every yeah. chapter in your book is a song title and <laughs> yep. i noticed they are all bands that are pretty hard rocking 90s or early 2000s bands so i take it exactly i take it you're a bit of a headbanger a little bit i definitely <laughs> love my rock and roll um definitely i mean a lot of those songs if it uh, are kind of personal to me they kind of speak their own story to me and sure. um i can kind of relate to them at one point or another uh but yeah i, lo- I love banging out so to speak <laughs> and uh it's just a lot of fun the, the music is really inspirational uh to me um i find it very yeah just inspirational i would say music has a way of just kind of changing your mood and that's ultimately what it did here to me and it's kind of like what i do before and after a good a good sales presentation mm-hmm. or a close or a closing or whatever the high point and even the low point might be, you know, songs kind of, kind of create, help us. Absolutely. And something, and this is way off topic, topic of real estate, but music for me, isn't it interesting how you can listen to a song at one stage in your life and it'll have a, a, a certain meaning to you. 
and years down on the road, you may find yourself in a different stage of life and you hear that same song and it takes on a completely new meaning. Um, I don't Absolutely. know if you've had that experience or not, but I think that's something that's uh, really interesting about music. Yeah. So when I was trying to come up with chapters for the book, I'm like, okay, how do I want to blend the music into it? Because, you know, music did kind of creep its way into real estate and in my personal being. And I wanted to kind of let others see how that changed and transformed me. So I just went back to some of the old songs and felt like they were really appropriate for each chapter and what I was trying to outline and get to. Yeah, that's cool. You did a really good job of it. Is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you would like to to touch on or emphasize before we go? Um, it just that um, for any agent out there, I just feel like being the light of your office and the inspiration to create a culture within your office is really one of the best things that you can do for those around you. Um, and I try to live by that um, in my office as well. I think that's some good advice and probably a good place to, uh, to end on. So I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. I always say that time is our most precious asset and, uh, it's one thing you can't get more of. So I really, really appreciate you spending some of yours with us. And uh, if people want to read your book, and I highly recommend they do, they can find it on Amazon, correct? Well, you as a gift to uh, your listeners, Glenn, I'd like to give um, everyone a chance to download my book for free. Oh, awesome. If, if you go to Realtor, Realtor Success uh, Training, that's mm-hmm. RealtorSuccessTraining.com, mm-hmm. you can download my book for free. That is really awesome. I didn't expect that. So I, I really appreciate that. Mm, and I hope, I hope that uh, all my listeners take advantage of that. So, yeah, they can reach you there at RealtorSuccessTraining.com. Um, if they would like to reach out to you by email, it's J-A-S-T-1293 at gmail.com. They can also find you on Facebook, J-C-N-O Tucker. And let's see, any other contact information you'd like to give out? You know, my phone number is so highly available and visible. I don't mind if anyone texts or give, gives me a call. If they just kind of want to go over a few things. My phone number is 516-361-2568. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, I really appreciate you coming on today. And I hope that maybe we can we can touch base sometime in the future and maybe dive in a little deeper on some of the some of the other topics in your book. Well, Glenn, it's, uh, th- thank you so much. It's been an ab- absolute pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Have a great day. You too. All right. Thanks again to Jennifer Sino Tucker for joining us today. And don't forget to show her some love and download her book for free at RealtorSuccessTraining.com. I want to give a special shout out to everyone who has joined my group on AgentPortal.io. Thank you all for joining the group, and I hope you're enjoying the show. And in case you haven't heard, agentportal.io is a new social media platform just for real estate agents, and I highly encourage you to check it out, create a profile, and of course, join my group, Putting the Real in Real Estate. As always, I would love to hear from you by email at glennhockersmith at schulerbauer.com, on Facebook or Instagram, or call me at 502 645 6195. I look forward to next time. I pray that you are all healthy and safe and we will all get through these trying times together. And at least for me, 
with trust and faith in our Father. Have a great day, everyone.